0: And welcome to it, Inside the Yard. A couple of Orioles broadcasters talking about your Baltimore Orioles. Brett Halder and Jeff Arnold on the program today, Orioles rookie outfielder. The extremely affable Ryan McKenna will join us. He's had a very interesting season. Also, fellow Orioles broadcaster Kevin Brown for our insider segment. But, Jeff, let's start with the Orioles' road trip against the Blue Jays on the road and Yankees Mm -hmm. on the road, and then kind of the competitiveness of the games, even going back before that, even though they got a rough series against the Rays and coming home and facing the Royals. To me, you don't want to read too much into it, but it just looks different to me. It's a much more competitive brand of baseball, and they're winning more games
1: yeah, especially if you go to the I'd say that the last I mean the first game of the road trip when the Orioles were in Toronto it was it was not their day, but when you look at the next five games that they played, you had five games that you had a chance to win and the the string of one run games is we're, we're taping this on a, on a Wednesday uh, was it you had five straight one run games thrown in there and you were competitive and your pitching kept you in the games and you had some really good moments in there, especially Chris Ellis. You and I called that game where he had a no hitter going through five innings. The Orioles pitching staff had a no hitter going into the seventh inning. And then you had some great takeaways from stuff that you saw out of the bullpen, Tyler Wells picking up his first save. And then recently Mike Bauman uh, pitching in his first major league game and earning his first major league win in the, in the same night, throwing three and two thirds innings uh, of great relief. And so it's good to see the Orioles play in close games. I think offensively, they're looking for a jolt at times, but you're seeing the pitching improve. You're seeing some other guys get some opportunities and some guys making the most of opportunities. You know, you make your major league debut, you want to do the most with it. Mike Ballman did. Chris Ellis is a guy that pitched for seven different organizations and he has come in and the Orioles needed some help in the starting rotation. And he certainly sees that opportunity. Jorge Lopez, we're not sure if he's going to be back for the rest of the year, but we got a taste of what it's like for him out of the bullpen in a back-end kind of role where he can air it out, and it looks really good. So there have been a number of developments that we have seen, I think on the pitching side recently, that have given all of us, I think, some encouragement. We've seen what Jorge Mateo has done. Austin Hayes has historically had really good Septembers and is in the middle of the hitting streak as we tape this right now. And it's just good to see some of these guys coming along, playing good baseball, And it all manifested in New York taking two out of three from the Yankees. Is The the Yankees, a team that you you, you love every chance you get to beat them, but especially when you get to win some games against them in the Bronx. And the Orioles had a a really nice series in New York.
0: Yeah, they really did. I mean, could have, should have, would have swept the Yankees. And they really didn't hit with runners on base and in scoring position in the first part of that series. But uh, to their credit, uh, they were able to win some nail biters, some dramatic games. On Saturday and Sunday, and you' love to see that in a team and playing competition, particularly against the Blue Jays and Yankees where those games matter so much to the opponent, and we' made this point before this is not a typical September in baseball where you probably can't glean a whole lot with the lack of truly expanded rosters like we're used to seeing, and the Orioles facing really tough competition that has a lot to lose and a lot to play for. I think you get a better assessment of what it all looks like and I'm so happy, even though it's very disappointing Jorge Lopez got hurt, so happy we got a taste of what that looks like. You're seeing other guys get a chance here as well, and I think more still to come. And, uh, you know, these are big games. If you're Austin Hayes right now, and we've mentioned him a lot, if you're DJ Stewart right now, these are really big games and at-bats to try and prove uh, they belong, whether it's with the Orioles or another club.
1: And I think that's what's going to make this September really intriguing because even with other players who, who might be in arbitration years, or a guy like Pedro Severino, for instance, who's really trying to close out the season strong after he's had his ups and downs throughout the year. Minor league pitchers that are getting their first taste in the major leagues and showing how they could be part of the the team in 2022. And then other guys who are just looking to close out strong years, you throw into the fact that, and we asked Brandon Hyde about this in a recent manager show, you throw in the fact that, look at the schedule that you're playing down the stretch of the year, And you're facing some really good teams who are all competing for playoff spots. And so I think if you perform in September, a lot of managers don't always make the most of what September numbers are. I think for the Orioles, it's especially relevant this year when you look at the opportunity that's still available, the schedule that you're playing, and a lot of guys competing for spots, um, not only with the Orioles for next year, but also for some, probably also looking at what their future holds and, what their future is going to contain either within this organization or or another one.
0: And to that end, Ryan McKenna, who's had a really interesting season, up and down a lot, dominant numbers in AAA Norfolk. I mean, really, OPS over 1,000, lots of extra base hits, lots of home runs. uh, Earned his way through the system, has gotten a chance in Baltimore mostly. We've seen him come on as a pinch runner, start sporadically, a late defensive replacement, Uh, really athletic young man. And someone who wants to be in the mix moving forward. So we have Ryan McKenna coming up on Inside the Yard. Then we'll talk to Kevin Brown as we continue with this edition of Inside the Yard.
1: Orioles ticket deals in one place, including single-game tickets, ticket packs, special offers, and more. We got you covered at the Orioles Ticket Marketplace. This is your place to score exclusive deals, so check back often for the latest opportunities. Don't wait to purchase last-minute at the box office. Ticket prices are the same at Orioles.com tickets to purchase.
0: And Jeff, with us right now is Orioles rookie outfielder Ryan McKenna. Ryan, how are you doing? Hey, what's going on, guys? I'm doing great. How are you? Uh, we were doing well. You've had a really interesting season. You've been up and down. I've lost count how many times. Do you know off the top of your head how many times you've gone from A to the big leagues?
2: No, I'm with you, Brett. Uh, I'm just rolling <laughs> with the punches. So, uh, yeah, it was just kind of circumstance called for what it was. And, yeah, we just kind of ride with it.
0: But all in all, you have to look back at 2021, and there's still several weeks left. You have to feel it's been a positive. You've gotten to the big leagues. You've checked a lot of boxes. When you were in Triple I think – Jeff would have a better sense of this as well. Maybe your best offensive season since your time in Frederick. So all in all, you have to feel really good about the season.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Like you said, making the debut is obviously a milestone for a lot of guys and in the minor leagues. So, um, you know, doing that was definitely a check off the list. Um, Yeah. And, you know, feeling good, you know, offensively from the majority of the year. And when I had a good kind of consistent rhythm going, um, you know, I felt really good and, and, um, yeah, so definitely a lot of positives for sure, and it's, it's been good so far.
1: What's an area of growth for you that you've been the most proud of yourself since reaching the major leagues? You mentioned the offensive piece a second ago, but, but what's one thing you've done in the major leagues that you've been proud of?
2: Yeah, it's a good, uh, good question. Jeff, um, I think, uh, being ready for the situations that, uh, are called upon for me as a player. Uh, I think I've really tried to be prepared for those and understanding like right now, um, just kind of the dynamic of what, uh, the use for me was, or just, you know, within this the past couple months, you know, there's still a couple of weeks left. So, um, but yeah, I think just being prepared is, is the number one thing. And, um, you know, just trying to stay as even-keeled as possible. Uh, this game has a lot of ups and downs, and, um, you know, it's 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 a very difficult game, so you can't get too hard on yourself. And uh, just being a good teammate as well, I think that's one of the biggest things that I try to take away every year, um, you know, is pick up a lot of guys and, you know, just be a good teammate, be a positive influence on the team. So
0: those are, those are a couple things. How hard has it been, Ryan, getting into a rhythm, going up and down a few times, and also when you get to the big leagues? playing sporadically?
2: Yeah, it's not easy. Um, I've never really done that in my career so far. That being said, I, I don't think it's any excuse for me to use. And, um, you know, if, if there's something performance wise, I know I'm capable of uh, doing a lot of good things and helping this team win. So um, it's just kind of, you know, a learning experience like anything else uh, throughout my career.
1: Ryan, in terms of strike zone judgment, it seems like you've always been pretty good in that respect how have you refined that at the major league level well obviously you're facing uh, some tough pitching especially tough when you're playing in the American League East
2: yeah absolutely um, I think all the way down from sig my um, you know he's he's done a great job of really implementing plate discipline in a lot of the mindsets of you know the players not just me but everyone else as well um, we get a swing decision report we say hey you know this is what we've Um, you know, seen in the past, and this is what we did last night, you know, previous nights against the same pitcher, um, how he likes to attack guys and, you know, et cetera. And um, I think just kind of tapping into mentally what you're thinking at that point with the same, you know, pitcher allows you to have an easier, um, you know, path to execute during the game. So it's, it's really just a lot of preparation and it comes down from, you know, a lot of the coaching staff.
0: Ryan, you have the look and reputation of a ball player's ball player, but you just got a lot into the data and the information that you could get at any given moment for a game. How much do you look at it and analyze yourself with the data, not just looking at your swing on video Mm -hmm. and actually getting coaching in the cage, but actually going over the data day in, day out?
2: Yeah, I think um, for me personally, I I try to really identify what's going to help me specifically. Um, Because, you know, like you mentioned, there's there's so much data, you know, there's so much emphasis on every little thing that it it gets kind of overwhelming at times. And there's only so much you can think about in the box. It's really the simpler, the better. So, um, you know, I think for me, velocity, what he has speed wise, um, what kind of mixes he likes to go to um, and then uh, how he likes to throw righties. I think that's the biggest thing for me and um, what I take away the most. Who's been the toughest pitcher that you face since coming up to the major leagues? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, there's been a lot of good guys. I, I know the Yankees have a good staff. Blue Jays have a really good staff. Um, Ryu was tough. Uh, Montgomery's got me a couple times. He was a guy I debuted off. So um, yeah, just just a couple names, but uh, I know I, I know I can get them for sure in the future.
0: Uh, obviously, it's been a tough year, wins and losses wise, but the team has rallied in september after and especially after ending that losing streak a lot of times fans maybe media they'll say well that shows something that's great from your vantage point how this team hasn't let up at all and it seems that actually might be peaking here in september
2: yeah absolutely um there's been a lot of emphasis on finishing strong um i think we a a lot of the guys that have been called up recently i've been playing with for a long time so getting some energy and just kind of a fresh look and, you know, excitement towards, you know, the season and being in the big leagues, it's kind of a cool dynamic to see. And, um, you know, obviously I'm super happy for all the guys that got called up, but yeah, finishing strong in September was, you know, just for your personal career, but also, you know, as the team collectively, we wanted to, you know, finish on a high note. So I think that's kind of been the focus and, you know, it's been
1: awesome to see. We saw you play center field the other day and you're one of a number of very athletic outfielders that the Orioles have with guys like Cedric Mullins and Austin Hayes. How does being on the same team, especially with two outfielders like that in Hayes and Mullins, how have those two helped make you a better outfielder?
2: Yeah, well, I appreciate you saying that, Jeff. Um, Yeah, no, it's, it's, like I said, we've been kind of together, you know, Cedric and I were both drafted in 15 and then Hayes was 16. So, You know, playing with them throughout the ranks and um, you know trying to come up together has been kind of a cool process. And now we're in the big leagues, and you know they've they've had a little bit more experience for sure. And I think just kind of with every situation that comes along, we analyze it and say, hey, this is what we did right, this is what we did wrong. Whether it's throwing to the right base, you know, hitting the cutoff in a certain situation, you know, knowing where the wind, who's up at plate or up uh, up at bat, and you know what he likes to do, how we pitch him, and no, etc. et cetera. So it's just, there's a lot that goes into it, but yeah, talking about is the biggest thing to learn um, or to learn about situations.
0: Ryan, You've had an interesting road to the big leagues in the sense that you were born in Oregon and I guess you went to high school in New Hampshire. There aren't too many guys getting drafted out of high schools in New Hampshire. Tell us about that experience and also the coldest temperatures you would play in and let's say uh, getting things going in March and April.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, like you mentioned, I was born in uh, Grants Pass and I, I don't really remember too much because we moved back to the East Coast when I was about two. So, um, yeah, my whole life really that I remember has been in New England. And, uh, yeah, I think we were fortunate enough to be able to travel. And, you know, we were going to Georgia and perfect game tournaments in Florida and California. So we were able to kind of get around and be exposed more than a lot of guys in Northeast. But, um yeah, no, it was, it was definitely a blessing. But um, uh, what was the second part of your question? Coldest
0: temperatures. Coldest uh,
2: temperature, yeah. Uh, so we actually had snow on our field in May in New Hampshire at whew. one point. So that was tough. Uh, fall baseball was obviously the worst when you get one off the end of the metal bat and your hands wouldn't be able to have feeling for the next three innings. So I, I don't remember, but it was definitely probably in the high 20s, maybe low 30s. So, yeah,
1: pretty crazy. Tell us the story about when you got drafted, you heard from somebody that was with the Orioles at the time and you spent, you know, you went to high school in New Hampshire, you were born in Oregon, but you spent a lot of time in Maine growing up. And as we know, they're not a whole lot of major league players that come from, from that part of the country. So can you tell us about that, that interaction that you had with somebody who at the time was playing for the Orioles and um, how they kind of welcomed you to the, to the Orioles family?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I, I think the the first thing was, you know, we were waiting for draft day. It was exciting, you know, a lot of anticipation. I would graduated high school and, um, you know, we were just kind of hanging out and see what was happening, whether I was going to college or, you know, getting drafted. So, um, yeah, my agent had called me the first day had passed. You know, we were waiting kind of anticipation. And then, uh, you know, the next day came around and my agent said, hey, you know, fourth round Orioles want you here. Um, and I said, yep let's do it. And, uh, yeah, so they signed me and, um, Ryan Flaherty yeah, had texted me shortly after. And, you know, that was, that was really cool because, you know, he was, you know, he's pretty, he was an established big leaguer at the time. And, um, you know, just hearing from him is, you know, that was super, super exciting. And it was awesome for him to do that. Um, yeah, like you said, not many guys from me and I'm sure he was kind of feeling that for me, you know, he knew exactly how I was feeling. So, um, yeah, that's just kind of how it went, and you know, I was off to Florida the next couple of days, and then started my career. So it was it was super fun, and my family was there to enjoy it.
0: That's a great story. Where would you have gone to school had you not wanted to go immediately into professional baseball?
2: Yeah, I was gonna. I was committed to Liberty University. Uh, I committed pretty early as a sophomore. So yeah, it was it was a good opportunity for me, and they have a great program.
1: Right, you can impact the game with your speed. And I was asking Jorge Mateo this the other day. Um, have you? Were you always when you were growing up? Were you always the the fastest kid? Were you the the one that was like winning relays and things like that? And kind of just growing up, were you always the fastest kid um, when you were playing on your little league team and things like that?
2: I would say for the most part, there might have been like one or two circumstances where I was like second or something. But yeah. It, I don't know for some reason I always I wasn't very tall so I was like all right I'm just gonna move my legs really fast and hopefully I get there before everybody else (laughs) um but yeah no speed is just something that I've tried to implement in, in the game and you know impact it positively you know trying to get that extra 90 feet is always huge and you know a lot of situations so
0: what other sports Ryan did you play growing up and did you play any other sports in high school
2: I did yes um I played football and basketball when I was younger. Um, and then I tried soccer as a senior, just, you know, just have fun and as a senior in uh, high school. So yeah, it was, it was just a good time. A lot of my buddies played and, you know, my legs actually felt incredible after that. I'd never played a full season of soccer and yeah, this <laughs> is probably the most conditioned I'd been in a while. So.
1: Right. Last one for me, you're fast, but what is it like watching Jorge Mateo run the bases? I, I have to imagine that, um, for somebody like you who's got a lot of speed, it, it, it still must be pretty fun to watch.
2: Yeah, I was up there with the, the fastest on the team, and then he came on. I was like, come on, man. You can't even let me have that. <laughs> no, it, I, I'm super, super stoked that he's with us. He's an awesome guy, and, uh, yeah, he's definitely going to help us win. So it, it's impressive to watch him motor around the bases, you know, just as a, a fellow speed guy. So,
0: yeah. All right, Ryan, it's time for our fun five baseball questions. Are you ready? All right. What is your favorite baseball movie? The Rookie with Dennis Quaid. Nice. Uh, what was your high school senior year batting average?
2: Ooh, uh, high fives, like 5.67 Ooh. or something like that. Any bombs? Yeah, I was like eight or nine. We only played 18 games, so it was, it was a little bit different, but yeah.
0: Most influential baseball person in your life? Ooh,
2: uh... Wow. Well, I, I had a coach, Dave Hoyt, who kind of, he played in the minor leagues with the Cardinals. So he kind of taught me a lot of the game. So I'd probably say him.
0: Favorite minor league city to play or visit?
2: Ooh. it's um, a good question. I, I like, I really like Charlotte. That was the one, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, we just played there.
0: Name one talent you have outside of baseball. Um, I could solve a Rubik's cube. Wow. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's impressive. You want to tell us your ACT or SAT score, too? I'm just curious. If uh, no, it,
2: it wasn't. It's not that impressive, so.
0: <laughs> really? That's pretty impressive to me. Yeah. Can
1: anybody else in the clubhouse solve a Rubik's Cube? Good question. Uh, I don't know. I don't think so.
2: I I, tried, I got really confident with it. I said, we have a talent show before spring training with all the rookies and the non-roster invites. And I said I could do it under like two minutes because I was like, I've done this a million times. Like I did it during travel ball. That's how I learned it. And then uh, I got nervous. So my hands started shaking and there was little light. So I couldn't see the colors really well. I got booed off the stage, <laughs> but I ended up solving it after. So I didn't have to do any of the, like, the crazy stuff afterwards. So, yeah,
0: yeah I'm I glad was, you redeemed I, yourself there.
2: Yeah, I did. I was like, hey, don't worry, guys, I can actually do it. I just maybe take a little bit longer. So,
0: <laughs> Ryan McKenna, uh, congratulations on a on a rookie season and getting into the show. And we look forward to keep watching you play. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys.
1: birdland experience an o's game with the convenience and privacy of your very own suite a variety of affordable single game suites throughout the ballpark are available enjoy exclusive access to the game with climate controlled interior seating a private restroom and comfortable outside seating visit orioles.com slash suites for more information
0: all right jeff joining us right now our colleague i guess i'll say our friend and colleague if you force me to but kevin brown is with us right now on Inside No the one's yard. forcing
3: you. Let the record
0: right. show. Our colleague Kevin Brown is joining us right now on Inside the Yard. Uh, Kevin, I want to start with Michael Bauman and his major league debut. We're recording this on a Wednesday morning. He debuted yeah. the night before, pitched really efficiently, pitched really well, stuff looked good. What was your big takeaway with Bauman? My
3: big takeaway, is I'm just thrilled to see him in the big leagues. I, I was hoping, I think we all were hoping at the start of the season that this would happen earlier this day would not come on september the 7th but with the injuries with the elbow issues the forearm issues i'm just glad it happened at all it was an interesting debut you know he for the first two innings he didn't allow a base runner and yet the royals hit him pretty hard and they had some deep flyouts and then i thought the stuff got a little bit crisper actually as it went on he started to get some swings and misses I think the breaking ball is an interesting pitch. Um, I've heard from folks that it's more of a slider. StatCast calls it a cutter. Whatever it is, I thought it had some pretty sharp movement as it went on. I'd like to see him maybe get to incorporate a changeup in a little bit more. It was mainly fastball and hard breaking ball. But it's, it's an interesting package, and you know, there are some guys that come into the bigs and in their debut, they're throwing three miles an hour harder than they ever do. And we've been told Bauman can touch 98. And he didn't really do that last night. And in a sense, um, sense, I think that might be a good thing. You know, it didn't seem like he was way too amped up and overdid the moment. Remember Connor Green came in for his big league debut and he was throwing 99 on the first three batters. And he's more sad at 94, 95. So the fact that, Bauman was sitting at his normal velocity, I think could actually be a good thing. I hope he gets a few more chances to pitch. Um, I'd love to see what he can do. Most encouraging to me was the command. Command was pretty good. There have been some games in Norfolk this year with some really high walk numbers, but he didn't walk a batter in six innings his last time. And I think he only walked the one last night or uh, as we record this tonight uh, before in three and two thirds innings. So, yeah, interesting stuff. Good looking breaking ball. And rotation, bulk relief, whatever it is, I I think he'll be a really fun piece down the stretch.
1: I think we were pretty intrigued about the thought of Jorge Lopez moving into the bullpen. And then he goes there and he does really well. And it's really tough with the ankle injury. We might not hear from him again this year, but how excited are you about maybe Jorge Lopez being a part of the Orioles bullpen down the road?
3: Um. I, I am excited, and, and I need to get more excited. I mean, right now, I'm I'm still bummed over the way that maybe his season ended. It's not official. I I think when we heard from Brandon Hyde, it sounds like it's pretty unlikely he comes back. There's a month to go, and that's a pretty nasty sprain. We've seen how the sprained ankle on a similar kind of play has taken the sting out of Anthony Santander's season. And I, and the Orioles are not going to want to rush Rory Lopez back, but... This has been a pretty trying year for Jorge. We only know to an extent what he's been going through off the field. Obviously, he spent time away from the team during and right out of the All-Star break. His son has gone through a lot of different medical procedures. Went through chemotherapy earlier this year. Jorge talked about that. Shaved his head in solidarity with his son. And then as a starting pitcher, there were so many good four inning stints and so many fifth inning implosions and every one of us on this call and probably everybody listening at some point in the first few months of the season said you know couldn't this guy just be in the bullpen he couldn't for a few months because he didn't have enough starters but I'm glad they did it Uh, his bullpen numbers were terrific and I think his mentality was different Brandon Hyde talked about how excited Jorge Lopez's voice was on the other end of the bullpen phone to get ready to go into a big spot. I think Jorge Lopez will be a late inning option for this team next year. I absolutely think that his stuff is too good. And I don't think they'll try to make him a starter again. I think he had a different confidence and a different demeanor on the mound coming out of the bullpen. And I really, really want him to be a part of this team next year and a part of this bullpen you know we heard some whispers around the trade deadline that some teams were thinking about Jorge lopez as a reliever and i'm glad the orioles finally went ahead and did it hopefully they'll have enough pitching starting pitching to sustain them next year and not need to put him back in there i think he's a legit seventh inning eighth inning guy stuff wise and the question for me is just simply
0: the mentality and i thought the mentality was way
3: way better the last
0: few weeks Speaking of mentality, it's pretty clear Tyler Wells has the right mental makeup to be a high leverage, maybe even the ninth inning guy. Uh, you like to see it in more pressure situations. You like to see it uh, in, in, for a team that's competing for something uh, besides just uh, finishing the season, trying to win some games. But the Orioles, I think one of the most intriguing decisions, they really have to make this offseason. They can't show up in spring training and decide is with Tyler Wells, do they want to put him in the rotation, which is what he was his entire professional life until this year? Or is this it? Is this just this perfect thing that they stumbled upon making a great Rule 5 pick that not only stuff-wise does it play, but he just seems like he's supposed to get the ball late in the game with everything on the line. Yeah, Yeah, I'm glad I don't have to make that decision. Um, At the same time, I
3: think it's a, a, a win, Either way, because I completely trust in Tyler Wells. I think this, ki- I think this kid, he's not even really a kid. He's, he's an older guy. He's 27. I think he's going to be in the big leagues for a decade. Um, I tend to lean towards keep him in the ninth inning. Because I think he could be a legit, bona fide, all-star closer. I think he could close games for 10 years. It's not just the stuff. I, I really think his mentality is there. Jeff and I, we, you know, we were talking to Tyler on the field before the game yesterday. Like, He's he's going on 47, this kid. He's gone through a lot off the field in his life. He lost his mom at a young age, his grandmother at a young age. He matured quickly. He's worked through injury. He lost a ton of weight a couple of years ago, working with LaTroy Hawkins of the Twins. He has gone through a lot, and he is very calm. He He's a great mixture of calm yet competitive. Now – If you think he's going to be a league average starter, you make him a starter, right? That is the way it goes. A league average starter doesn't sound as sexy as a shutdown closer, but a league average starter is worth more than a shutdown reliever. You can go ahead and find shutdown relievers. Ask the Orioles this year. It is hard to find league average starters. So if Tyler Wells is a guy who has a 420 ERA as a starter, Probably he is more valuable to you there, but I, I would worry, the only worry I have would be messing with somebody who's become so good at this role and the Orioles have played it pretty safe with his innings this year to make him a starter. It's obviously a pretty sizable innings jump next year. So they want to make him a starter. I get it. I think he can do it, but I think he does have the chance to be so, so good as a closer for so many years. Um, that I feel myself leaning in that direction now. Me too.
1: Give me a last one for me, Jorge Mateo. What do you think he can become
3: with this team? It's a really good question. Um, I think he is a middle infielder. I'm not sure if that's a shortstop or second baseman yet. Um, I don't think he's an outfielder with this team because I, I think there's too much outfield depth. I don't think it makes sense to to do that. I think they this is an organization that. Needs a little more infield depth. You know, there are great infielders in Bowie and Aberdeen and Delmarva, but they're a little bit further away. Westburg, Henderson, Norby, et cetera. Jorge Mateo, the thing I've loved, he's walked five times in the past seven games as we record this. He's not going to be a 350 on base guy, but he, he needs to walk a little bit more. Nathan Ruiz had the stat, Baltimore Sun. Uh, Jorge Mateo had walked five times in his first 99 career games, and he's walked now five times in seven. So I think he's an elite base dealer. Um, I think he can be somebody that totally impacts a game if his on-base percentage is 300. Now, I'd like it to be higher. The Orioles would like it to be higher. But if it's 300, 310, 315, he will cause havoc for defenders. Um, he will reach base on a couple of errors a year that you can almost in, inflate the on-base percentage with because of how fast he is. He will steal bases. He has a little bit of surprising power. Um, I think next year he is a starter somewhere on in the infield. My guess is he will start opening day 2022 with, if not injuries, at either second or short. I, I would lean second base, but we'll see. And I think he's going to get a lot of chances at shortstop here with Jemai Jones up at second base for the end of the year. But I, I have seen enough to say, to me, he is a starting, a starting infielder on this team next year. I hope that is the case. Like, you don't get this kind of talent on the waiver wire. The Orioles make a lot of waiver claims, and they hit on some, and they don't hit on a lot. And that's the way it goes. This is a... a high-to-mid first-round pick talent-wise, I think. And maybe the best move that the Orioles have made transactionally this year in the long run, Uh, maybe outside of Tyler Wells in the Rule 5 pick. I think he could be that good. I really do. And I think he is a starting middle infielder, and I think he will start somewhere in the middle infield opening day next year. I hope I'm right about that because I want to see him
0: keep growing. I want to see him keep getting at-bats. Kevin Brown, our colleague, thank you so much, KB. We appreciate it. But not friend, I've been. Uh, just colleague, Kevin Brown. Yeah. Thank you so it's much.
3: Gradual gradation over the course of this <laughs> interview. Thanks, guys. The
0: Orioles! Everybody love the Ori-
1: Hey, Birdland, the bird is back and ready to make a special appearance at your next event. Add some Orioles magic to your birthday, celebration, wedding, or corporate party by booking the bird today. Proceeds benefit the Orioles Charitable Foundation. Book your bird appearance today at orioles.com slash bird.
0: All right, Jeff. Uh, good stuff with Ryan McKenna and with Kevin Brown. I uh, want to end on Cedric Mullins. We've talked about him a lot this entire season. But what you got to love about Mullins is his attempt right now to finish strong, which it looks like he's doing. His down parts of his season are so small, and his ability to hit a tough stretch by his standards this year and then to rally from it to me is the ultimate complement of what kind of season he's put together basically start to finish.
1: I mean, I think we've talked about it before. I believe 290 was the lowest that he's been, and that was over Memorial Day weekend in Chicago, and then he had another little you know dry spell. Um, for, for, a, for a couple of series, he was getting pitched pretty tough, I know, in the Angels series. And I think recently he was in like a three-for-26 stretch, and then he quickly ended it uh, when the Orioles were in the Bronx. As, as we tape this, he's hit home runs in three straight days for the first time in his career. And I, he's going to get to 30 home runs and 30 stolen bases. I mean, he had a, a stolen base the other day. We talked about the three straight days with home runs, something that nobody has ever accomplished before and something that looks like it's going to be accomplished by somebody who, whose story is simply remarkable. I mean, it, 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 t- it takes a really special player to reach 30 stolen bases and, and 30 home runs in, in this day and age, but Mullins has shown that he is not your typical player. He got the start in center field in the American League All-Star team this year, and he got more votes than, than anybody uh, among the players. And so there is a, a level of respect for Cedric Mullins. You see the work ethic every day. You see him starting to get on another one of these runs, which we've seen throughout the entire year. And you're just always wondering when Mullins is on the field, what's he going to do next? And it's been cool to watch, and and I'm excited to see what he'll do this final month against some great competition, which
0: hopefully will cap off an all-star and overall just stellar season for him. And it's happening with the backdrop of another big week for Adley Rutschman. Kyle Stowers continues to pound the baseball. Grayson Rodriguez turns in another good start. So good to see the Orioles playing a little better here in September and the minor leagues and, and the big names there. Keep on rolling. Well, that does it for this edition of inside the yard for Jeff Arnold, I'm Brent Hollander. Thank you so much for being with us. And we'll talk next week inside the yard.